Hello, and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of Next Step. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Jess Pagoni. Jess has spent her career in client service and management consulting, focused on the people side of projects. She's now the founder and CEO of Luna, which is a B2B platform that enables companies to design, manage, and analyze personalized benefit arrangements. Hello, Jess. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Hi, I'm great, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to talk more about Luna. And uh, before we get into that, if you could give our listeners a little bit more information about your background and how Luna came to be. Sure, yeah. So as you mentioned, I've spent my career really focused on client service and and, um, more specifically management consulting. And I've had the opportunity to work on a lot of, um, with a lot of great, great clients and um, incredible people. Um, And really thinking about how to like crack the code on the people side of projects. So um, my financial advisor once once said to me, remember that that companies are made up of people. And it, it just always stuck with me. And he was, of course, providing that advice as I was asking about investing in something. But, um, you know, the, this idea that like <clears throat> businesses are made of people in order to, 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 to really like sing as a company, you've got people make, making the work really happen. And I've um, enjoyed working with lots of different teams and, and helping them to be more successful, whether it be defining their strategy or reorganizing and, um, and then e- even thinking about their culture as a division department or at the company level. Um, over the course of my career. So, um, you know, in light of that, I had this, this, you know, emerging idea start to form uh, about why we live in this, you know, hyper-personalized world and you can personalize your coffee order, your device, um, even medicine. And yet somehow the, the like employment arrangements that we have with our employer um, when you get a job offer and then ongoing with the, the kind of a, a relationship with your employer are like kind of stagnant or void of any kind of personalization. So um, that was really how Luna was born. I kept, you know, meeting people or working with people or helping on teams where there was um, a challenge attracting the right talent or retaining talent or people's lives were evolving and and you know things change people leave companies and i'm like does it really need to happen this way could we think about this a bit differently um and this category of personalized employment is new so essentially luna is creating personalized employment it doesn't exist today um we think that everyone should be doing this and that i hope that one day i can look back and say like this is the way of the world and um and, and really the, the, the idea being like, we can, we can personalize everything in our lives. And at the same time, we are people, like we're human and we, we, we are, we're not these robots that are going to work and um, can, can just conform. And I think there's this opportunity and, and this is our tagline is that work should be designed for life. And uh, Luna really enables employees to do that um, and, and enables employers to offer that to their employees. Glad someone's finally attempting to tackle this problem because I always had that question in the back of my mind as well also as I was bouncing around in different company environments, typically corporate. The benefits would change, but they wouldn't change all that significantly. And I was always essentially thinking I needed a select from an array 
of options. It never really seemed to fit me kind of thing. And I always mm -hmm. thought that that was weird. So it sounds like that's what you're driving at. I'd love to know a little bit more of the details of kind of the value proposition of what you're driving towards and what that might ultimately mean from who's expected to be your clients in this case. Yeah, yeah, great questions. And I'm glad to hear that that this is something you've thought about as well. I'm sure that there's tons of people who have, have thought like, why is this all so one size fits all and um, not tailored in any way? So um, really what, you know, within the Luna platform, what an employer can do is um, select from you know, hundreds of choices or options to, to offer employees as part of what we call work design. And then employees would answer some questions to say like, I want, I want an, say an extra week of vacation or I'd like um, to plan for a sabbatical. Um, I'm gonna take a sabbatical in two years and I'll, I'll start to fund that sabbatical now. Or I wanna get a new certification. So based on my company's benefits, I'll, I'll get you know, a certain amount contributed to um, that type of professional development. And all of this is, again, customizable by the employer and then the, the, it enables employees to really have this level of choice. I think the other really important detail here is that when you pick, like say you get a job offer and, and your, your employee, the person who's hiring you has Luna, they say, here, use Luna, um, answer these questions about how you'd like to design your work here. And... Um, you might be like, oh my gosh, like I have to pick, this is like high pressure. I need to pick these things and I'm stuck with it. Um, but, but that actually isn't the intent at all. The goal would be that you refresh your preferences over time. We're, again, we're human and change is constant. So um, maybe it's every six months, maybe it's once a year, but, but employees would go through the process of refreshing their preferences to change things like how much time off do I, do I want how much um, professional development am I going to do? What types of voluntary benefits am I interested in? Um, what's my schedule? Do I want to work a compressed work week, you know, four 10-hour days instead of five-eighths? Or do I want to go to an 80% schedule? I mean, all of these things would be options an employer could potentially include as part of their work design. Um, and then employees, again, get to refresh those preferences over over time. So that, that's really the, the, you know, when you think about benefits today, <clears throat> when you get a job offer, you might, you might, um, you know, it's, it's your medical, your dental, your vision, maybe it says how much time off you have and potentially some other things like life insurance or other things that the company might offer. But it doesn't typically get into like the, the bigger picture of, um, flexible schedule or kind of how do you want to create your, your scheduling or um, even some of the like more interesting um, benefits that are getting offered now around like student loan repayments or um, fertility assistance. So there's, you know, so many options, so many great options out there that employers might just not be thinking about because they, they're, they're not even sure how to kind of build it in or what kind of demand there might be. And um, you know, the, the goal with Luna is to be able to test and learn, really try those things. And then maybe the next time around, you know, as an employer that no one really wanted that one thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll skip that and go for something else. Um, I think the other piece here is that employees really then, you know, are empowered and have skin in the game. 
Um, so when, when I talk about you know, being able to choose, like I want one extra week of vacation or I want one less week of vacation, um, the employee would see a change to their salary as a result of that. So if you're essentially buying an extra week of vacation, your salary might go down. Your take-home pay would go down by one week. If you're taking one less, your salary might go up. So this is like the most tangible one to example to use, but the idea that you, know, you, you can influence your take-home pay as part of picking what's going to work for you and your life as you're designing work for life. As part of the conversation that we've had previously, I know you shared with me a little bit more about the personal side of how having access to something like this would have benefited you. And that's in terms of how you've thought about it, right? Perhaps that's at least some of the inspiration for why it came to be. Um, would you be able to share some of that insight with us as well too? That's always good when we're talking to people building these product businesses in terms of understanding kind of the user story and how they would use it and how it would benefit them. I think that's most particularly powerful in this instance. So in terms of basically how you described it was your needs for benefits change throughout the course of your life, right? Yeah. Uh, just like you're giving here as examples um, in terms of how someone may theoretically use it. But I think that's a key part of the story here. So if you could uh, just feel free to share yes. with us a little bit in terms of how that changed. Absolutely. Um, when I was in my 20s, early 20s in particular, I wanted as much cash and as much time off as possible. I wanted to travel the world. At the time, I had a friend who lived in London and I was, you know, she'd be like, I'm headed to Spain for the weekend. And I would hop on a plane and go see her for a weekend, um, which sounds crazy now, but, um, but back then it <laughs> felt like no big deal. Um, so the, those were my priorities, you know, as I, you know, as life went on, as I got married, I wanted to buy a house. I wanted, you know, enough cash for down payment. So, so again, cash was important. Um, then I, I had my first child and realized how important flexibility was going to be to me. Um, I'm, I've, I've always been a career person and really pride myself in, in my work, I love working, um, but I also knew that I needed to now create more time for this tiny human that was a part of my life. So, um, and then, you know, I've gone on to have two additional kids. I have three kids and I've, I've really kind of seen the, the, the arc of how your life can change and evolve, your needs evolve. When you work <laughs> changes as well, you know, the, the, the little kids get up early in the morning. So my, my typical like kind of morning heads down time started to go away and setting expectations with, um, with clients and colleagues about when I was available was a big deal. So, you know, another part of this is, and especially in light of even everything that's happening with COVID is people, people all of a sudden were thrust into this work from home environment and, um, and it, it, it does require a new level of expect, expectation setting and, and conversation with the people that you're interacting with daily to say, like, when am I available and how am I going to make that work? So, you know, the, the, you're totally right that this idea really came from this recognition that, you know, over time, I, I, I almost felt like I was outgrowing the, the ping pong tables um, or outgrowing certain, you know, all the happy hours. Instead, I was like, no, no, I, my happy hours, if I can make it home for dinner with my kids. And, um, 
<laughs> which sounds very sad. I can, I fully recognize and appreciate that. Not at all. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, life changes and, and I, I feel like firsthand have been able to experience what that means as a female in the, the workforce. Um, and, and I think, I think similar things happen for, for men as well. And, um, it's all about how can you structure your work in a way that works for you while also being able to support thing, you know, whatever you need to do on, on the life side. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I hope that that resonates with, with others in, in terms of how, how things do change and evolve yet, yet your kind of the benefits offered to you aren't really evolving with you. Um, and the goal would be to find a way to, to really support that through a platform like Luna. Well, it certainly resonates with me. I think the future is strong and bright for right customizations, convenience. Uh, you mentioned, right, the 800-pound gorilla of the pandemic and how that's dramatically impacted the way we work in a lot of ways for the better. But regardless, it's been a lot of change. And as such, we need to evolve with that in order to make that change work for everyone. So like you said, having something that can kind of grow with you, I think makes a lot of sense, right? It'll be really interesting to see how your product company plays out as you get deeper penetration in the market. Well, we'd love to have you back to tell that story, of course. Yeah, but absolutely. I think the future is bright there. Um, it almost reminds me of, so big portion of my career in corporate was working for a mutual fund giant. And as part of that, we you know had a bunch of investment vehicles at the time, the popularity was rising for what they called target retirement investment, like mutual funds. So pre prior to those being created, it was just, you had to reallocate where your like retirement portfolio was invested in as your risk profile changed, right? So as we were younger and had more time, we could be more aggressive. But then as we get older and we need to rely on what it is we have invested and saved, it becomes more conservative the concept of the target retirement fund is like, what approximate decade are you expecting to retire in? And as such, that fund will be managed according to whatever your like asset allocation should be based on your profile and at whatever point you are in your career throughout your career so that you don't have to constantly like be moving funds around. So anyway, I just, it made me think of that and the innovation that that brought to the market, but related to what you're doing, which is obviously um, when it comes to employee benefits. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I love that. Um, my husband works for Vanguard, so I, I um, am, am invested in, in one of those funds. Um, it's an and awesome company. It, it, yeah, it is. It's great innovation. And, and that's, that's really what this is. You're, you're, you're spot on. This is about making sure that you can um, grow and evolve as a, as a career person in, for the company that you work for, and then maybe stay somewhere longer then um, you know, a lot of what I've seen, not only personally, but as you know, a former chief people officer for a professional services organization, as, as someone who's worked with a lot of clients and, and seen teams kind of come and, and go and evolve, um, that people you know, often will say, well, I, I'm, I'm moving um, an hour away. I no longer want to do this commute. I guess I have to find a new job. Or I... Um, I feel like I'm not as supported here in terms of the flexibility that I might need for schedule. So I'm going to go find a company that will, will enable that flexibility. In fact, one stat, I think the, the study was done by um, a 
an outlet called Flex Jobs, um, found that 46% of people are either have either left a job because of a lack of flexibility or are looking to leave a job because of a lack of flexibility. 46%, like the, the number astounded me. I think there was about 8,000 respondents in the study. So it's not a huge, huge sample. But um, even so, like this idea that flexibility is a requirement now is, is really integrated into this idea of personalizing your employment arrangement. So it's not just about like your standard core benefits that you would normally see. It's about looking holistically at um, everything that you're getting from, from your employer and how can you kind of toggle things up and down to meet your needs now and then refresh over time. Very good and uh, absolutely agreed. Thank you for sharing. So let's, let's talk more about the company from the product perspective and the phase in which you're in. That's a big part of what we talk about on the show. After we have a good understanding of the value proposition and the market research that I went into crafting said value proposition, I'd like to talk about kind of where you are phase-wise, what are you actively working on now? What's part of the next phase? So give us an update in terms of progress for Luna because uh, that's really helpful for our listeners as well too as they're looking at building and managing and growing their product companies as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so right now we are at the tail end of the build for our MVP, or I would say kind of version 1.0. Um, we are building on Bubble uh, for any of the listeners that may be familiar. So our goal is um, to just get this out as quickly as possible. And um, there is some obviously complexity in the in the design in that there's multiple user roles and um, some some math that needs to be done in terms of computing maybe salary changes or um, you know total days off changes but um, generally we found bubble to be uh, really capable uh, as a no code platform to to manage all of the requirements that that we have we're working with a um, development shop in South Carolina. They're called Onyx Ocean, and they have done a tremendous job really getting us um, to where we are currently. Uh, I would expect in the, the late November, early December timeframe to be out and ready to test with a few um, pilot customers and, um, and then headed into 2021, really looking to accelerate um, in terms of customer acquisition, starting to hire um, on the, the Luna team. I do have a co-founder. His name is Aaron Kamholtz as our chief uh, technology officer. Um, but we, are, we will be looking in Q1 next year to start to bring on some additional team and, and continue to grow the platform. Fingers crossed, assuming that, that people love the idea as much as, as, as we hope they do. Well, I'm glad you're gearing up towards battle testing it as soon as possible with the likes of the strategy, which I'm a huge advocate for, which is building and testing prototypes or MVPs with basically like no code or low code tools like bubble that you mentioned. So I definitely wanted to call that out that I commend you on your effort there. I see a lot of companies in this phase tend to try to want to build, you know, reinvent the wheel through custom coding and the amount of time and money invested there is often counterproductive. What's the most important part of the phase that you're in is learning as much as you can about battle testing this value proposition and then getting the feedback from the market 
and then making updates accordingly to match the market wherever it is. Because obviously in the beginning, we have to make certain assumptions. So wherever you can save time and money and then still be able to put something in the hands of customers, absolutely, that's a win across the board. So a fantastic job there, obviously. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we are on the edge of our seat, super excited to just really get this battle tested. I, I love the phrase. Um, we're, we feel ready. And um, I think in, in, in just a, a couple of weeks here, we'll be um, hopefully getting some great feedback and be able to continue to evolve the, the product to, to be something that hopefully is transformative, really defining this new category of personalized employment in the HR technology space um, and, and helping people to start to think a little bit differently about how, how we approached employment in general. Um, so it is a mindset shift. And I, I think that's gonna be one of the most interesting things to learn about is how easily can our customers really adopt that new mindset and as part of our onboarding, we're, we're hoping to you know, really engage with managers so managers can be thinking differently about what does this mean for my team and how am I going to make everybody successful and, and hopefully at the same time delight them because you're, you're also empowering them to, to choose what they, you know, how they're setting up their work arrangement. So um, I, think, I think it's going to be fascinating to kind of uncover the the, uh, the the challenges with adopting something like this, and 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 maybe the um, maybe the ease with which it can be adopted. I'm I'm not sure yet. It's certainly an exciting phase, and I'm looking forward to catching those updates. As part of um, what we'd like to hear from you as well, too, is kind of the next step, or really the go-to-market strategy. So, talk us through some of those steps. How do you make progress from here with what you're building and how you're going to be reaching out and prospecting and you know collecting more of that market research, but talk to us a little bit more through what you're planning in terms of uh, the go-to-market strategy. Yeah, so um, initially that like bullseye customer target is really going to be small to mid-size tech or professional services companies. So these are businesses that are um, looking to attract some type of knowledge talent or skilled talent. Um, so software engineers, management consultants, CPAs, companies that, that need some type of skill and that maybe often struggle with the ability to find that talent or find enough of that talent. You know, in some of the conversations that I've had, what I've heard is, is that it's so time consuming um, and it's, it, it feels like managers or senior leaders are spending significant amounts of time trying to really fill the funnel and then even trying to figure out what the right, um, you know, kind of how to, how to even make the interviews happen, like make time for, for hiring. So our, our, our goal in targeting these small to mid-sized tech and, and professional services businesses is that Luna would be a way to differentiate. Um, and kind of cut through some of the just noise that's out there in terms of recruiting and say like, look, we're different because we're thinking about your employment in a really personal way. We want you to tell us how you want to work here. And we're gonna, we'll, we'll make that happen. And then you get to refresh this ongoing. So I think, I think the, the, um, that bullseye target is, is intentional because there's often struggle in attracting that type of talent. And so we want to try to solve that problem initially. Um, 
ongoing, you know, uh, you know, as we get some attraction, uh, um, some traction with that um, particular segment, I, I would envision us kind of moving more towards the enterprise um, organization sale. So, you know, thinking about larger companies, especially those that are like people first, um, that really have that people first mindset. And um, I've actually had a handful of conversations that where, where potential customers on the enterprise side have said, like, are you ready for us? And I'm like, ah, like, let's, let me start somewhere. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to you. So I, I, I think that there's, um, I think there's interest with larger organizations, but we're going to start in a small to mid-size people that are looking to differentiate in terms of their hiring, um, uh, you know, to attract and then, and then retain talent. There's a couple of things that you mentioned as part of that strategy that I want to commend and recommend to others listening as well too. The first is when I asked you what the go-to-market strategy was, your ideal profile for target market customer was more specific than I hear of companies at your particular phase. And I think that is a huge advantage for you. I, I, I do my best to try to debunk the myth that is, I don't want to get too specific in who we're selling to because I'm going to eliminate all these possibilities, right? And that's conventional wisdom, but it's also uh, the counter counterintuitive approach is that you really need to get very specific because what you're really doing is experimenting. Um, and the tighter your variables are in an experiment, the more conclusive essentially the results ultimately will be from your efforts. So a wider net that you cast is actually going to be harder figuring out what type of fish you're actually trying to catch and seeing what they're interested in. So I like the fact that you have that fairly well down. And uh, so basically just continue with that line of thinking because you want to go as specific as you can and do you know, a larger number of smaller experiments instead of just one long running selling to whoever. It's going to be very hard to measure the effectiveness of that. And then um, the second one was building momentum to being more prepared to speak with these larger organizations. I recommend that approach as well too, where you can reach out to either smaller, younger, uh, more progressive companies initially and then look to gain some traction for those that are very interested in experimenting throughout this beta phase with you. Then it's also gonna help you build the right type of social proof to be able to go to other organizations and say, here, we've done this and it's worked. Um, so basically, you, know, you have evidence, if you will, in terms of here's what the ROI was, here's what the process was like, and you're gonna be able to iron that out along the way as well too, as you're figuring out your process. So I think both of those are the right strategy. and. Likewise, I'm looking forward to seeing the results um, and kind of moving forward from there. So uh, Jess, thank you for being here. I have a couple questions for you before we let you go, uh, something we ask on every show. The first one is, uh, are there any resources that you would recommend for anybody else in a similar phase of building their product company where they can go to learn more about whatever you think is important? Oh, great question. Um, I feel like I've searched to the end of the, the internet. So I, how long do you have? No. <laughs> right. Awesome. As long um, as it takes to get them all out there because this yeah, is an awesome yeah. part of the show. <laughs> you know what? I will say, I think checking out the bubble.io website. Um, great one. I was very, uh, I learned about bubble by attending a female founders and funders conference. Um, and one of the women that spoke um, it ha has built multiple apps in the no-code environment and is like a big 
um, basically now goes out and speaks about how she doesn't think anyone should write a line of code, that it should, you know, it should be all no code. Um, and have to meet her. it intrigued me. It kind of like, like drew me in. I was like, what is all of this? And is, you know, is it real? And um, it's been, it's been pleasantly um, surprising that it, the, especially the bubble platform uh, in terms of the no code options out there just has a lot of sophistication. And um, I would check it out if you're thinking about building um, building an app or, or trying to create a tech platform. Um, some of them could probably be built over a weekend if you're building something as straightforward as like a marketplace or, or um, you know, something like a Tinder even would be like, there's like templates for it. It's, it's really fascinating to see what they've got out there. So I would check that out. That would be my number one thing to do. And I'm going to ask this because we've had this conversation before, but it sounds like you've read a book or listened to a book recently, which you also thought was particularly valuable. So if you yes. would, share that too. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so um, per Sean's recommendation from our last conversation, I recently listened to The Mom Test. And um, I have to say it was, uh, it's all about the the concept of of how to have really valuable customer conversations. And the mom test being that if you go to your mom and you say, mom, I have this business idea and here's what it's gonna do, that the, um, your mom will be like, oh, honey, that's so great. And I can tell you as a mom, I would definitely do that. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but really what you should be asking in customer conversations are questions about your customer's problems. So asking for for me that means you know what what challenges are you facing in terms of of workforce planning or in, ter in terms of hiring and retaining your your team members and really listening and understanding what customers are experiencing and then and then from that kind of taking away your insights to to say like oh okay if this is if my customer said that they're they're really struggling with retaining talent but attraction's not a problem then maybe i should think about my messaging a little bit differently or maybe the the you know, the way i position the platform will, will be slightly different so um really valuable book it was a quick listen especially if you go at 1.5 speed uh, you can kind of listen in just a few hours and um, really, really valuable. And, and I'm, I'm, bad, I'm so bad at remembering authors, but Sean, if you can plug, plug the author here, that'd be great. Yeah, you've got it. Uh, Rob Fitzpatrick and my, my listeners are tired of listening to my broken record about the mom test. So it's nice to hear someone else recommend it too. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend, so, highly recommend. Yeah, same. Couldn't, couldn't say enough good things about it for anybody, especially in this phase or earlier or, late, or later, realistically. It's a great way to have a put yourself in the right uh, mindset when it comes to basically conducting mar market research, but essentially speaking with customers and getting the right kind of data that you need, not necessarily the data that you want. So, mm -hmm. uh, and Rob's a friend. I've had him on the show as well, too. So I can recommend that for anybody as well. Also, thank you, Jess. Uh, last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Um, so anyone that's interested in, in talking about this idea of personalized employment arrangements, um, I could talk about it all day, every day. I'm just really passionate about the topic. So if, if you just want to chat, um, feel free to reach out. My email is jess at luna, L-L-U-N-A dot I-O. Um, so you can reach me via email. 
Um, additionally, if you or your company might be interested in being an early customer for Luna, if you like the, the beta customer approach and, and want to be a, a great resource for us in terms of receiving feedback, but also an early adopter of, of this platform, please, please um, ping me for that too. I'd, I'd love to connect and see if it's a fit. Love it. Thank you for providing. We'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. And thanks for being here to tell the Luna story, Jess. Thank you so much, Sean. It was great to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you or anyone you know is involved in scaling a B2B SaaS business, please have them reach out to me about becoming a potential guest on our show. They can email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. This time, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, Next Step Consulting. Would you like to know what the right next steps are for your B2B SaaS business? Are you trying to grow and scale, but you're stuck? We can help. To find out how Next Step can help your B2B SaaS business achieve its goals, please email me, sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Thanks, and keep disrupting. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.